Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. In this episode of the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast, I want to shed some light on a new hot topic that seems to be getting a lot of attention in the science-based training world. There seems to be some new research indicating that partial reps could be superior to full repetitions, specifically for hypertrophy or muscular growth. So a partial rep can be considered one-third to two-thirds of a full repetition, and the research is implying that lengthened partials specifically are superior. So to simplify that, that means that a lengthened partial is more superior than a shortened partial. And a lengthened partial is from the bottom portion of a rep where the muscle is lengthened and contracted less than the full range of motion. So this information isn't exactly shocking because we've known for some time that the eccentric portion of a rep, which is when you're lowering the weight against gravity, we're lengthening the muscle under load, creates more muscular damage. And muscular damage is a key principle in training that leads to more growth. Bodybuilders have been prioritizing lengthened stretches after sets and movements at the end of workouts that biased more length in the muscle for decades. So if you think about it, In theory, this research makes a lot of logical sense. If we're only training the lengthened portion of the rep, then you'll achieve more time under tension, more time under load in that position, which is considered to be a position of priority for growth. But is it really that simple? And should you start doing nothing but half reps now? Well, That's the big science-based elephant in the room, isn't it? So by the end of this episode, you'll know exactly when and how to use lengthened partials to your advantage moving forward. So I want to give you some of my own background or history on this. I've personally placed a focus on lengthened partials and training for quite some time, especially with certain movements because of my understanding of anatomy along with the strength curve of a muscle contraction and the resistance profile of an exercise, to me, sometimes it just makes no logical sense at all to do full repetitions on some movements. As an example, an incline bicep curl. When you're doing an incline bicep curl and you're doing this movement correctly, you're leaning on an incline bench, you're sitting tall on the bench, with your ribs really high, your chest proud, and your shoulder blades squeezed together. So as you complete the rep in this position when doing it right, the weight becomes lighter or less challenging at the top of the contraction, at the full contraction, because it gets closer to the access point of the elbow during that top half of the repetition. So when I do incline bicep curls, I'm doing lengthened partials always because I don't see the sense in going past where the highest demand on the muscle is in the exercise, right? 
So I've always seen value in length and partials on certain movements, and I use them a lot with my clients in my program, Anabolic Anatomy. But just because I see value in length and partials, I still don't see it as a logical approach to training that way 100% of the time. And here's some of my reasons why. Okay. So I looked at a few of the studies and some of the studies proved to show a lot of promise and other studies implied less promise. And here's what I found to be really interesting when looking at things. Different studies showed the impact of lengthened partials to be relative to the exercise performed. Okay. Which is interesting because that's kind of how I always use them. So skull crushers showed a difference of almost double the muscle growth when participants performed lengthened partials versus full range of motion. There was a similar effect on calf raises and quad extensions also showed greater increases from lengthened partials. But a study focusing on leg press found changes to the quads to be similar with both variations of full range of motion or partial reps. So when I look at comparing the different studies, it kind of just appears to echo my own original belief that lengthened partials are more superior with specific exercises based on the dynamics of that exercise and how it leverages different challenges, different levels of difficulty in different positions of the repetition. But that's just one aspect to consider. There's more things to consider here when you're looking at whether or not you should use lengthened partials exclusively. So I believe that you still need to use full contractions. And that's because I've personally seen great value in fully contracting muscles for multiple reasons. First of all, if you want to have complete development of a muscle and all of its fibers, then you need to fully contract it. Like you just have to. And to give you some examples on this, like there's no chance in hell that you're bringing up the center portion of your pecs where it attaches to your sternum or the center of your rib cage, only training lengthened partials. If you want muscle fibers to develop, you need to get those fibers to contract and you need to place them under tension. And the only way that you can place a lot of tension on those muscle fibers, specifically in the center of your chest, is with a full contraction. And that's where you protract your arms and you slightly round your upper back while keeping your chest proud. That's where you'll find that contraction all the way to the center of your pecs. You can't accomplish that with a lengthened partial. And the same thing applies to the peak of your bicep, right? So like if, if you want that height on your bicep, you need to hit those fibers by fully contracting the bicep. And that means that you need to protract the shoulder. So you need to push your arm forward while elevating and activating the shoulder slightly. And doing that with a loading angle that still places demand on the bicep in that specific position. So for example, like with a cable or placing yourself in a slight hinge. So I've got videos on this on my social media 
where you're trying to create an angle to fully contract the bicep, you have to reach with your arms and you have to elevate the elbow slightly in order to fully contract the bicep to really work those muscle fibers that create the peak on your bicep. So in my opinion, if you're only working lengthened partials of a contraction, you can't develop a muscle fully, right? Because you'll never get those muscle fibers to actually contract. And another important consideration when you're training only half reps in the lengthened position specifically is that you'll create imbalances, okay? You'll create imbalances in muscle function and stability as well as your posture. Because like people just overlook the fact that muscles do more than just lengthen and shorten or contract, right? Muscles create a level of stability within our joints as well through something called muscle function. So muscle action is the muscle lengthening and contracting and muscle function is the muscle's role in stabilizing its surrounding joints. Okay. Some muscles play greater roles than other in stability. Some muscles have a primary purpose of stability and those muscles are ancillary muscles. So those muscles are like, muscles that work in conjunction or partnership with other muscles to simplify it. Okay. And those ancillary muscles wouldn't strengthen and you wouldn't be able to challenge them well without completely contracting their partner muscles in training. Okay. So like it might sound complex, but just think about it this way. There's a muscle under your armpit called your serratus. That muscle helps stabilize the shoulder joint. You can't challenge that muscle properly when training your chest if you only chain, train, pardon me, your, your pecs at length, right? That muscle protracts the shoulder. That muscle takes your arm and pushes your arm forward. It's called the boxer's muscle. So think about when you throw a jab. That snap that you get from the jab comes from the serratus, that push, right? So... You need to fully contract the pecs to truly activate the serratus, right? And if you don't fully contract your pecs, then you won't fully develop the serratus and then you'll wind up with muscular imbalances. And this is just one example of a muscle that's like a, an ancillary muscle or like a partner muscle that has a higher role in stability than it does muscle action that shouldn't be like it, 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 it shouldn't be um, unconsidered, right? Like, or it shouldn't be neglected in your training because it, that muscle matters. Because if that muscle, for example, doesn't stabilize your shoulder joint properly, you have a higher risk of injury. Okay. So, so I've mentioned a few things to consider here, right? I've mentioned the effects on your posture. I've mentioned the effects on stabilizer muscles. And I've also mentioned the effects of complete development of muscle groups, the negative effects on these areas, if you were to only use lengthened partials. But there is one last argument that I would use against only training lengthened partials, and I think it's pretty massive. 
you got to think about your joint health and your risk of injury. Okay. Because when muscles are fully lengthened, lengthened, they're extremely weak. A muscle at length is far weaker than it is as it starts to shorten through contraction. Muscles are weak when they're lengthened, they're strong midway through the contraction, and then they're weak again when they're fully contracted. That's why the hardest part position of an exercise is always in the bottom per se on a bench press, right? Or at the top on a bicep curl, because there is a strength curve on your muscle. So when muscles are fully lengthened, they're weak, okay? And what that means is, you're going to have to train those muscles if you're only training them at length with lighter loads and higher reps, or you're going to run a higher risk of injury. And that risk of injury is going to be especially high with overtraining injuries like tendonitis. And you've probably already experienced this, right? Like anybody who's trained for a while has probably gone into the gym at some point in time, and you're probably guilty of this, where you've gone into the gym and you've done a set of skull crushers at the beginning of your workout, right? You're strong at the beginning of your workout. So that means you put quite a bit of weight on the bar more than usual. And I want to ask you, when you did that, how did your elbows feel when you started a workout with heavy skull crushers? Because skull crushers bias length in the muscle. I can guarantee that your elbows felt like shit. They were banged up. And they didn't just feel like shit while you were training them in those skull crushers or that training session. Your elbows probably felt like garbage for days or weeks and time after that training session. That's because... You have no business starting a workout when you're freshest and you can lift the most amount of weight and then intentionally or purposefully placing your muscles and your joints into their most vulnerable, weakest positions before you've warmed up significantly or you've created a bit of fatigue, right? Because if you create a bit of fatigue, then what's going to happen is when you get to that exercise that biases more length, you're going to use a lighter weight because of the fatigue that has been set in from previous exercises in the training session. That weight is then going to be more appropriate and you're going to avoid that joint damage. That's why when you do skull crushers at the beginning of your workout, they absolutely wreak havoc on your elbows and if you do them at the end of your workout, you're going to do them with lighter weight. There's going to be muscular fatigue. You're going to be warmer and they're not so painful, right? So when you're looking at these research studies, you have to consider the fact that the short-term positive effects of training this way of lengthened partials only in a study that's like 8, 12, or 16 weeks long does not compare to any degree to the long-term effects or the compounding damage you're going to do to your joints training this way, okay? So I don't believe that you should only train lengthened partials regardless of what these studies show. But there's still a lot of valuable information that you can take from these studies, that you can take from the information and apply it to your training to improve your own results. 
And here is your biggest key takeaways from this information that you can implement to get better results in your training. So takeaway number one is that some exercises are better suited for lengthened partials than full range of motion. Okay. These exercise selections are exercises that already place an emphasis on lengthening the muscle. Okay. So some examples of exercises that place a focus on lengthening the muscle is going to be skull crushers, overhead tricep extensions, incline curls with dumbbells, maybe low cable curls, dumbbell chest flies, and seated calf raises, to name a few. Now, when I determine which of these exercises are best for length and partials, I use my knowledge of anatomy combined with the resistance profile of an exercise, combined with the contractile strength curve of a muscle, but you're not an award-winning trainer like me. You don't have dozens of certifications. You don't have thousands of hours in the field. So when I'm talking about that, you're probably like, Tom, what the hell are you talking about? It sounds like you're speaking another language, right? So to put it really, really simple for you, if you want to determine if an exercise is right for training with this method, with length and partials, do a set of that exercise, use full range of motion. And if you notice that the exercise gets significantly easier beyond like halfway or two thirds of the peak contraction, then it's probably more appropriate for length and partials. Like just use some common sense. If you're doing an exercise and it starts to become really easy at the top of the exercise because of the setup of the exercise, then it's probably more appropriate for length and partials, right? I hope that makes sense. So the next key takeaway with this information is don't start your training sessions with an exercise that biases or places more of a focus on a fully lengthened muscle. Okay. So don't start your training exercise with an exercise that's probably more appropriate for lengthened partials unless all you want is sore joints. Does that make sense? Don't start your training session with an exercise that puts your muscle in a vulnerable position of a more lengthened state at the beginning of your workouts, unless you just want sore joints. Take those exercises, put them at the end of your workout and use them to your advantage after you've had some muscular fatigue set in from the previous exercises in the training session and your joints are good and warm and there's lots of blood flowing right? Next thing, pretty simple key point, listen to your body. If you start using a lengthened partial and you find the most painful thing about the exercise when you're doing that lengthened partial is joint pain, then just stop immediately and reevaluate re what you're doing, right? Like it, if you're if you feel like you're challenging joints more than you're challenging the muscle when you're using a length and partial, then you're kind of missing the point and you need to reevaluate that exercise selection because it's probably not a great exercise selection for that specific intention. Okay. And lastly, this is huge. And this was my biggest key takeaway from what I got out of this research is I think this is a great idea to use in training as a method to extend your sets, okay? So you can think of length and partials like a drop set, 
But instead of taking the set to failure and dropping the weight, you can decrease the range of motion in order to do more reps after that initial failure of the working set. Okay. This is something that I personally do often, especially after listening and hearing about, pardon me, hearing about this research and looking at this research. And I believe it's a great way to increase the intensity of your workouts in an intelligent manner based on the research. So look at it this way. Like say you're doing a set of standing bicep curls and you get to rep number 10 and you complete a full rep. You get to rep number 11 on the last set of your bicep curls. You get to rep number 11 and you can only get like halfway through the contraction. Cool. Do you like three or four more repetitions just in the lengthened partial with a half contraction to extend your working set? That's a phenomenal way to use this exercise, to use this uh, uh, information part, right? So use lengthened partials as a way to extend your working sets, similar to how you would on a drop set, but you're not decreasing the weight, you're decreasing the range of motion. That's like super intelligent way to use this. And that, that's it. So that's, that's, that's everything that you need to know on length and partials. Um, the studies are kind of cool. It's kind of neat information, but I don't recommend using them exclusively like on all exercises and all sets. And I don't recommend using them without a logical thought process to determine whether or not it's an intelligent choice to use them when you are using them. Right. And hopefully after listening to today's cast, after listening to today's episode, you've got all the information you need to make the right decisions when you're thinking about using them yourselves. But the most intelligent way to use them is only use them on specific exercises, use them towards the end of your workouts, and use them as a way to extend working sets when you get to failure on the last set or couple of sets of an exercise specifically. So I hope that you found this valuable. If you found this valuable, please give me a five-star review, share this to your social media, send it off to your stories. Um, let people get this information because although you shouldn't necessarily train length and partials exclusively, people should definitely use them in their training. And if they listen to this episode, they'll know how. Have the best day ever. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at TomTheTrainerFitness.